because of the that my father all of a sudden disappeared out, out of my life on an age of at the age of four, then again, 24. Then my other father also kind of disappeared when I was 21. Um, I think for me, uh, I really have to learn that people don't always go away. You don't have to put like all your walls up um, to protect yourself and just um, choose to leave everyone before they do. Welcome to And Then Everything Changed, a podcast about the pivotal moments in life and decisions that define us. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Today, my guests are Donna and Sharon Sparrow. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. And this is very fun for me because not only do I have two guests at once, but I have two different countries that you're calling me from. <laughs> so can um, Sharon, can you can you let the listeners know where you are? Yeah, so I'm currently in the Netherlands, in The Hague. Um, I was in Tel Aviv until a few months ago, but then when Corona happened, I decided to basically move in with my parents again. Um, and I didn't know for how long it would last, but I've been here now for almost six months. And actually it's been super nice. And I just decided that I'm going to stay here. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So can you stay with your parents indefinitely? Well, no, now uh, since two weeks, I've moved out. <laughs> I feel mm-hmm. like a teenager. <laughs> And uh, I'm I'm back in The Hague where I used to live before I moved to Tel Aviv. So uh-huh. um, most of my friends also live here. So that's really nice. Ah, but you had thought you would stay in Tel Aviv longer? Well, yeah, like in the last few months, I did think a little bit about moving somewhere else. And me and Donna were supposed to go to Berlin together. And then because of Corona, I was just a little bit like, what am I going to do there right now? Because everything was mm-hmm. closed and... Then I just decided that I was going to go to my parents and I stayed there for about four months, which was way longer than I expected. But then it was just so nice to, well, kind of reconnect with them and uh, really have that quality time that we didn't have for such a long time because I also moved Mm -hmm. out when I was 17. So, you know, it's been really that long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how about you, Donna? Where are you? Where are you recording from? Yeah, it's, I think it's uh, very interesting because now Sharon named so many cities and countries in the last <laughs> few minutes. But um, right now I'm actually in Tel Aviv, Israel. But the reason I'm here is because I'm packing up and selling all my stuff um, for me to move back to Berlin. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. And so from my vantage point here in the U.S., even though I was born in Israel, and can you remind me where you were born? Um, Kvarsaba, it's called. That's like, let's say half an hour, 40 minutes drive from Tel Aviv. So we have in common that we are all, we're all Sabras. We're all born in Israel, but I've moved and lived in so many different places. I've mostly stayed in the United States. So your family, are, are they Israeli? Well, that's also a, quite a interesting story. There, My father lives here since he was like, let's say 24. So I always tell people I have an Israeli father, but he grew up in France, but is originally from Tunis. Ah. Tunisia, Tunis? How, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And where did you spend most of your childhood? Um, in Holland, actually. Yeah. 
So we we grew up in Holland. Okay. So, and what is the age difference between the so two of I you? So I just turned 30 this year and Dana is 33. So we're like three and a half years apart. And growing up, were you close? Uh, yeah, I think we were always quite close. Um, but definitely in the last few years, we've grown even closer. Yeah. Yeah. So We Are Suzelle is basically, um, I would say, an online platform dedicated to self-love, um, vulnerability, and also human connection, really. So we kind of like share really real and vulnerable content because we really believe that that's what the world needs right now. Like when we look at social media, for example, there's so many, I wouldn't say necessarily fake, but yeah, there's so much perfection on there. And um, I think we really got to a time that people crave a little bit more than that, more uh, depth and more realness. And um, that's that's one of the reasons why we created We Are Suzelle, just because we think that we all really struggle with the same issues. But because there's so much perfection on social media, we feel so separated from each other. Mm-hmm. And we really think that we are the only ones that are going through a certain thing. But in fact, we're all going through the same things and we all face the same struggles just no one is really talking about it. So by really putting it out there, um, we feel that people really resonate and recognize themselves in our content. And that just creates such a, like I said, human connection, really. Mm-hmm. And I know that one of your missions, you know, I remember reading your mission statement and in there you wrote that you believe that a lot of the sets of values our society holds is un- unhealthy for us today. And so I was wondering when when you think about the values that society has that are unhealthy, what are some of the top, the top ones that come to mind for you? Um, I think the top ones that come to mind for me is competing with one another. So that's also what Sharon just mentioned, that we have the belief that we're separate from each other. So we are competing with each other. We're comparing. We feel like we have to be in control in order to make it in life. So these sets of values, we think, are not what is in our nature. So in the beginning, we think this is for us the way to to be good in our jobs, in our studies, in life, relationships. But eventually we feel a void inside of us, a feeling of unfulfillment or um, separation. And we all walk around having no idea why, but it's because we are so tuned in to our, um, we call it masculine side of the energy that we all have. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me like that has a lot to do with competition and rivalry and maybe masking our inner vulnerability. 100%. That's, that's completely uh, connected to those values. You know, I've seen yeah. a lot of your media, your social media and your posts, and it seems that there was sort of a crucial time for you when you realized that you needed to change directions Can you talk a little bit about what happened and why it impacted you so greatly? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's not completely uh, parallel for me and Dana, but um, for me, for example, um, 
I think that during my late 20s, I just really struggled with feeling so unfulfilled and not really knowing how to change that. Because I, I was always asking myself, like, is this it? And But I just didn't know the steps to take to change things. And I felt really unfulfilled with my job, um, also with my relationship at the time, and just with my life in general, I guess. And don't get me wrong, I, I actually did have a great life when you were looking out at it from an outer perspective. It just seemed fine. And I was happy, but I, I think inside I was just desperately looking for a deeper meaning to my life. And I just didn't know what it was or even how to get there. So I think that I was just really desperately looking for deeper meaning to my life, but I didn't know what that was or even how to get there. And then when I ended my relationship in 2018, I just really hit rock bottom, even though that uh, relationships and breakups are always part of life. For me, it just felt so, so intense. And um, actually from there, I started to see that um, it wasn't the job or the relationship or all the external things that weren't going well. It was just that I wasn't aligned with who I really am inside. And when I started to align with my soul, I would say, um, I could really see what that deeper meaning to my life meant and also how to get there. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you were going through that, did you have guidance? How did you, how did you find your way? I didn't really have guidance, even though our dad is also a meditation teacher and is very much into Kabbalah and all those things. Um, mm -hmm. So we did like, we didn't really grow up with that, but like uh, in our later 20s, like he influenced us a lot with that, I guess. So in that sense, I did have some sort of guidance, but in the end, I, I did feel very alone. But the thing was that um, at some point, Dan and I, our journey started to uh, become very parallel. So we really had, um, we were able to support each other in that journey, I guess. Yeah. And that's a really good uh, introduction to your journey, Donna. Can you talk a little bit about how you found yourself in this position now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so the funny, or I don't know if it's funny, but ironic thing about it is <laughs> that um, it started our, like, my breakup. It, it was a bit different for me because um, I didn't feel so much this, I didn't have this question all the time, like, is this it? And I really remember Sharon asking me this so often, like, but is this it? And I couldn't really, really resonate with it. Um, but for me, it was more, I guess, um, feeling very much um, like having a lot of fears that were in, in control of me. So I was basically like decorating my life according to those fears. Um, I was settling for okay jobs that I knew I could do better, but deep down I had a voice telling me I couldn't do better. Um, so mm -hmm. I was settling a lot and this made me very unfulfilled and 
questioning my life. So it was a bit different uh, setup. But then um, I think two weeks before Sharon, me and my boyfriend, my and my uh, boyfriend broke up. Um, and I think this was also very similar. Like it, I was the darkest period of my life. I can really say this. I was crawling through the days. I think everyone that went through a very heavy heartbreak can resonate with this, that it's so, so painful. It really feels like a loss, like griefing. Um, mm-hmm. and I really can say that in that darkness, and this sounds maybe very cliche, but it's very true. I found my own light. So I found out that depending on external factors for love, um, as in a relationship or your boss telling you that you're doing well or um, your friends liking you, um, that um, this was all so short term and I couldn't, it was not sustainable for me to be happy. And I think I found that in that period um, and also in this period, I found out that for my whole life, I was holding myself so, so small because of all the fears that I had. So it was a major breakthrough and really for me and Sharon, a moment to, 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 yeah, we basically together hit off from that moment, took off. And, and when you, when you were in your darkest time, do you think you could have, and this is for both of you, do you think you could have even conceived that you would make it to where you are now? I totally didn't. You didn't. I mean, especially in that beginning, I was mm-hmm. so heartbroken and I felt very lost. But I do think that quite soon, like probably after a few months, um, I started to understand my own life better. And I understood that there was a message out there that we have to bring out to the world, basically. But at that time, even after a few months, I never, never thought that we would be like having our own business or anything like that. Never. Mm-hmm. You, you hear, I would think, from a lot of people who follow you. And and what is the message? What is the message you often get? And, and what is the age of the people who are contacting you because of your content yeah. and your guidance? So I think, especially in the beginning, I think basically because the contrast was so big when we were just starting in this whole journey, many people asked us like, what do you do to be so happy? Or how is your energy so good? Or you're shining. What do you do? This was the beginning that we got a lot. Um, right now, I think the most frequently mm. asked questions are more like um how do i get more confidence how do i start within the self-love journey more the house like how do you get there i mean it's a beautiful thing a thing if you think about it but and then Mm -hmm. you know um what to do and and are the people are the people your age between 25 and 35 char is that correct yeah yeah Yeah, I, i think so too do you think that that age is is a pretty common age for this sort of <laughs> I don't know soul crushing confusion and and uncertainty? I think that this this these questions probably always existed, um, but I do think that we now live in a time where people become more aware, and also 
that it's maybe a millennial yeah, thing. Yeah, on the one hand, I also agree mm, with that, yeah. and I think this also um, we are also like more focused on this uh, group. On the other hand, I do think that it's a collective uh, shift that we're going through. Even if I look at my mother, or I really see that slowly more and more people are let's quote unquote waking up i don't really like that term but then you understand what i mean um or getting more aware or conscious about things that for sure other generations didn't think about so much Mm -hmm. i think the reason we have this um big amount of empathy and we can relate to so many people because i i'm also a coach so i have to have that and char also works with people um is mainly also because our own youth um where things were for sure not always good by far not and this really shaped us in being human beings that experienced all type types of of faces in their lives from very um leaving your father in another country to having a new father raising us to yeah a lot of a lot of things but i think it really shaped us to the people that we are today and i know that there was a a period or maybe you know there's some there's some kind of background about your biological father and some issues at home that you referenced when we earlier when we spoke earlier Yeah. so basically the story with our biological father is that um, him and my mom, our mom, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they met when they were in their 20s. They both moved from Europe to Israel and uh, they met there. And then obviously after some time, Dana was born. And then three and a half years later, I was born. And this was in 1990. And when I was six months, they decided to the divorce and basically my mom, our mom. <laughs> I do that all the time with my sister, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> she took us back to Holland where she grew up and her family was at the time, uh, which basically meant that we left our father. And as children, we did spend summers in Israel and we got to see him and we spoke on the phone sometimes, but we never really grew up with him, which definitely makes an impact on a child, I guess. I don't Mm -hmm. think that I understood until recently what that means to a child. And besides that, when we moved to Holland, um, our mom got into a new relationship and this was basically from then on our father who also raised us from when I was I was six months and Dana was three and a half or four. So um, in our world, he was and is still our father. But I do definitely think the leaving part of um, being so young and then leaving your father um, made an impact on us as children. And obviously we took that on onto our adulthood. Yeah, and I also think not just leaving our father, but also a country. Yeah. I mean, we just went, I didn't speak one word Dutch when I moved to Holland. I just spoke Hebrew and I had a new father, a new mm-hmm. language, new school. So 
I think this made a huge impact mm-hmm. on, on Did us, your but. mother seem to understand that it was a hardship for you? I don't think she did at the time, but I know that she's said like in later years that she wasn't fully aware of not what she was doing, but the impact that it had on us. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Dana? Yeah, I think I think she even kind of regret uh, the, the whole moving to Holland thing because of it. But yeah. at the same time, she did find her new life and her new partner there, right? And and they're still together. No, no, <laughs> no. Can you talk about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, let's call it our dad because he raises and we call him dad. So we have our biological father and our dad. Um, he and my mother broke up when I was 21. So Shari, you were 17, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And my mother is remarried also <laughs> right now again our mother um but this <laughs> but this was definitely like on a conscious level much tougher for us as a family to go through is this true Sharon? yeah definitely because we were much older i mean i was basically in purity i guess and um yeah yeah we experienced everything much more on a conscious level so yeah i think it was much more tough and also we as a family experienced uh, many, many issues before they split up. So yeah, it was definitely yeah. a very intense time for all of us, I guess. So is your mother with her third husband now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you have three father figures or you have had three father figures in your life. I wouldn't necessarily say that um, her current husband is a father figure, at least not for me. Mm-hmm. I definitely love him so much and I think he's an amazing man and he makes my mom very happy and I do yeah. really appreciate the person that he is but he's not a father figure to me I mean mm-hmm. they met when no. we were already so much older I was probably 18 oh, yeah. and he never raised us so mm-hmm. it was much, it was way different and what's your relationship with your biological father Right now, non-existing yeah, doesn't really <laughs> exist. Um, no. We we've tried, in my opinion, to kind of reconnect with him, especially when we both moved to Israel uh, a few years ago. And actually, it's it's been six years since I moved there, and we've not seen each other once since I was in Israel. So. And we did speak here and then, and there were some efforts from his side, but not not really. And it just eventually never happened that we saw each other. So right now, yeah, it it doesn't really exist this relationship. So I'm curious about this because um, you did travel back to see him when you were children. You did spend some time with him. So I'm curious if. Um, when did he stop investing? I mean, my impression is that for, because I come from not the same kind of a background, but definitely a complex uh, family situation. And so I, I really understand (laughs) like all the different things that can happen in a family. And I, I, I'm curious, like to me, if there's a relationship that isn't happening or there's not really 
reaching out happening, I usually put that squarely on the, the shoulders of a parent um, because I feel mm-hmm. in my bias that it's a parent's job to pursue that relationship. So is there, what's the reason for the lack of connection right now? It's interesting that you say this because this is exactly what my mother always says, like um, uh, that it's initially his job to to make sure that we have a connection, although we're mm-hmm. adults now. So, you know, the thing is that you said I'm curious and I think me and Sharon are also very curious because we 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 really don't know. So um, I think I was in touch with him until the age of let's say 24 and I'm now 33, um, like really in touch as in mm-hmm. seeing him and his wife, uh, his, his wife, like after my mother, he remarried, passed yeah. away. And I feel like from that moment on, um, he, this is my, this is my, my opinion. I really have no idea, but he took a step back. Um, and when we moved to Israel, um, especially Sharon, she tried to reach out by texting him, sending him emails and even calling him, but he either didn't pick up or didn't respond, but, but wrote, read mm. the messages. And even when he picked up and we said like, let's meet, he would say, yeah, I will come back to you. And then we would never hear from <sighs> him again. So we, we genuinely don't know what happened there. Like maybe he, has a new partner and she doesn't want, I really, it's just guessing. I really have no well, idea. How is that on a daily basis for you? I think you learn to cope with it because if you're not in touch with your biological father on a daily basis from the age of four and then on a non, like zero existent base from the age of 24, you adjust. I don't think mm-hmm. about this so often. Did it affect, did it affect your relationships? I'm so curious about, you know, you, I'm so, I have so many questions, but I, <laughs> I guess I'm so interested in, in what you both think your relationship to the, to an intimate and loving relationship is how, where you are on your perspective of that and how much you feel your, your parents' actions have impacted your ability to be in a relationship. Well, yeah, this is something, and I don't know if this is the same for you, Shar, but for me, this came to the surface quite in the last few years, I would say. Um, I found out that it's very easy for me to cut people out of my life. And I'm talking about friendships, but also Mm -hmm. relationships. And I always thought that I'm just... um, maybe not that sensitive in this way, or I don't cling too long to something that doesn't really give me what I'm looking for um, in comparison to others. But what I learn now is because I'm still dealing with that feeling, even though I cut my uh, relationship, let's say five mm-hmm. years ago, um, is that because of the, that my father all of a sudden disappeared out of my life on an age of at age four, then again, 24. Then my other father also kind of disappeared when I was 21. Um, I think for me, uh, I really have to learn that people don't always go away. You don't have to put like all your walls Mm -hmm. up, um, to protect yourself and just, um, choose to leave Mm -hmm. everyone 
before mm-hmm. they do. That's a really hard lesson. I mean, I, I completely, I mean, I'm really understanding that because I had a similar situation except on the mother's side, you know, and it took me a really long time mm. to not put those walls up. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is really not easy if you're used to people leaving. Yeah. yeah. But that's beautiful yeah. that you say that because when you are in that situation, when you experience those kind of feelings, because it's it's possible you feel uh, a lot of shame around your feelings, so you don't talk about it with others, even if you are aware of it. Um, and that's what makes us so separate from each other. But when you put that out there, like we do now, for example, on our platform, you see that so many people resonate with that and so many people have similar experiences. And this is also such a beautiful thing about social media and all the people that do similar work to us. You just see so much how everyone is dealing with the same things and that really, really connects us, I think. And that's also a part of um, someone's healing process. Uh, Instead of thinking... I'm so alone in this and I don't know how to deal with it. Finding others that went through similar experiences can give someone so much support and a feeling of belonging, actually. So that's really beautiful, I think. And what's advice you might have for someone going through something kind of like what you have been through, which is that they've learned to put up walls in protection and they know that they need to try something else. What are some first steps people can take to grow that way? I think one of the very important first steps is the awareness that the reason we have relationships is for us to heal and grow. So it's not for us to feel not lonely anymore or to feel safe. It's for us to see these patterns and these conditionings and limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves um, to mirror them back to us. So if you have the this, this awareness, this is a major first step. The second thing that I would, um, would like to share about this is feel your feelings. It's so important to just sit on your couch and let it wash over you like a wave. It's, it, it will, you will not die. Nothing will happen. It's temporary. It will not last. Um, just feel it because the reason we are carrying all these um, non-beneficial patterns with us for so long and we, we, we re- keep repeating them relationship after relationship is because we don't feel what our body wants mm-hmm. us to feel. Yeah, it's sort of like it it backfires, I think, if you it, that that self-protection often backfires and it really doesn't get people where they want to go. Totally. 100%. Yeah, and and do you think there's any part and this is a little bit of a loaded question I'm leading you, so I should probably <laughs> rephrase it. Bring it on. But um what <laughs> let me go back. <laughs> um what part of self confidence and self-value and do you think plays in understanding what other people do to you because I think for me at least there when it comes to parental loss and and leaving there's a really big puzzle piece about what 
part did I play? What, who am I in this? And how much has to do with you as an individual and how much is really more to do with the parent? I think that when you grow older, like obviously as a child, you are placed in situations that you don't really have so much control over. But then later in your life, you maybe become aware of um, the effects of the traumas that you've been through, right? And Mm -hmm. then you really have a choice, basically, whether you're going to do something with that or not. Are you going to just continue your life with all the patterns and the limiting beliefs that you build up through your life, or are you going to choose a different path? And like Donna said, like obviously becoming aware of that is a major first step, but then when you do have that awareness, it is up to you to decide if you're going to take a new direction. And so what I would say is that in your life, there will be always things happening around you and sometimes to you that you don't have any control over. But then when you're a little bit older and you're an adult, you have the control to just change directions and just take back the power. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of like once you know, once you wake up to those those other things at work, it's kind of on your shoulders to to do what you need to do to change. Definitely. It's totally up to you. And we hear this so much around us, like, I'm like this and that because of my parents did this and this and this to me. And yes, that might be true up to a certain level, but then it's really up to you to change that if you want that, of course. Mm-hmm. And you, you just got to make the first steps yourself. Mm-hmm. And and before I, w- I have a couple more questions, but one one thing I want to ask you is, did you have you come to a place, for example, about your father, your biological father, where you well, did you ever blame yourselves when it came to your biological father? And, and what's your perspective on that now? Mm, I think this is also something that um fits to the last question and also to this one, I think the moment I understood that my biological father, but also the father that raised us, because I think he um, also, not from an intentional place, but also hurt a lot um, in our family. I think the moment I understood that these two men are humans and everyone always does the best that they can. And this is not easy for everyone and was not easy Mm. for us as well, because in the beginning we carried a lot of anger and why and victim and blah. And, but now I think I can really understand this. He didn't know better. He doesn't know better. Um, it's not about me. It's something in him that he needs to fix for him. And it says nothing about us as children. And I even think that he really loves us. Um, that, Mm -hmm. that's really, that really helps Mm -hmm. to heal. And I do think that speaks a lot to that kind of grace you can give people, which is that they are mostly trying to do the best they can, right? It's, I mean, there might be some people who don't try, but for the most part, people are trying to do the best they can. So it's generous of you to be able to look at your parents this way. I generally feel 
a lot of empathy and love for the both of them, for the three of them. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I really honestly can say that at this point in my life, I don't feel any anger towards my biological father, not towards my father that raised me and definitely not towards my mom because like Dana said, I know that they just didn't know any better and that they never uh, acted out of um, bad intentions at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if you understand that everyone struggles and has trauma and 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 had their own upbringing that might not be good, then then you understand it also better. Right. And and I should add though that that doesn't mean that there isn't sadness. Definitely. Oh yeah, this is a very good thing to add because that doesn't mean that you're not suffering, not in pain, not need to heal, not go to therapist, mm-hmm. whatever. It's just. Um, that you have an understanding of that we all just try and we have no idea what we're doing, basically. (laughs) Right. So what is, you know, in the final moments we have, can you explain the name We Are Suzelle, which is your your company? Yeah. Yes. So my second name is Ellen. Mm Mm-hmm. Ellen, and which is my grandma, uh, grandma's name. And Sharon's second name is Susie, which is from the other side uh-huh. of grandma's name. So together we are um, Suze okay. from Susie and Ellen. <laughs> I was trying Ellen, to so figure it out. I, was, I, I would never have figured that out. So I'm glad I asked. Never. <laughs> no, many people ask. Okay, and then here's another question, which I really would love you guys to answer. A lot of people listening will never visit Israel and, and don't know much about Israel except for what they see in the media, which can be really charged. Yeah. And I was born mm-hmm. there, you yeah. were born there, and I went back to study in college and I went back with my family two years ago to visit. So in a nutshell, in the last few minutes we have, can mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. offer a couple of details of what living in Israel is like? For me, when I got there, when I was 24, it was just like coming home, I think. Yes. Even though I was, I I went to Israel on vacation so many times before, when I really went there to live, it really felt like coming home. I felt very safe, and not only physically, but also um, emotionally And I felt like I belonged there, really. And also that I did not have to explain who I was. I was just part of the country. So that was really amazing for me. I met so many amazing people there. And um, yeah, over, over the course of the last six years, I truly had an amazing time there. Yeah. I agree. It's the nature for everyone that just uh, sees uh, media. Media is also media for a reason. It's Mm -hmm. really not what you think it is. If you come here, you feel extremely safe, much safer than I ever felt in Amsterdam, Berlin or wherever. It's beautiful uh, nature, really beautiful nature. It has beautiful beaches. It's really great country. Like the food is amazing and it's great for holiday. For us, for us both, it's now enough to live because it's also a very um, not connected to the rest of the world, which makes it for us different to stay here. And it's very, very small, but for everyone that just knows Israel from the media, 
you should just go and visit. It's really, it will, it will surprise you in a good way. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you. I, I appreciate that taking a little time for that because you're my very first Israeli guest. <laughs> um, <laughs> so can you please share where people can find you? Yes. So um, our main platform at this moment is on Instagram, which is uh, Instagram.com slash we are Suzelle, S-U-Z-E-L-L-E. And um, my website is danasbarrow.com. Okay. And I'll have all those links in your show notes and in everything that I post so people can find you. Amazing. Um, uh, Donna and Sharon, I am so happy we connected and I love, I love what you're putting out there. I think it's really important. And I hope that the young men and women and even the older men and women who need to hear your message and see what you're offering find you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I hope so too. I and hope so I too. loved this talk as well. It was great. Thank you for listening to And Then Everything Changed. For more on this episode, photos, and other episodes you might like, please visit atecpodcast.com. You can connect with me and learn more about episodes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram also. Just search for my name, Ronit Plank, R-O-N-I-T-P-L-A-N-K, and you will find all the updates. If you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe and also rate and review so other people can find it. Thank you so much for listening. 